So Bill hated it. What'd you think? I liked it. I thought it was fun. That's what I thought. I thought it was a lot of fun, actually. I was ready to give it a high rating, but now Bill is going to bring me down and tell me how much I suck. So it's normal, basically. Status quo. Yeah, pretty much. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and Scott Gardner is off in Europe somewhere, uh, as I've mentioned a few times, evading uh, extradition. so I am here with just Dr. Bill and Dave, and we're searching for Scott Gardner. Is it going to be like, uh, see, I've seen, all right, so the movie where it's parodied in Cable Guy when Jim Carrey puts his breast up on the window and he's like, oh, Midnight Run. Midnight Run, that's it. I, I, I picture Scott Missy's on the other side of the glass. And he's going, oh, mercy. They're <laughs> smuggling like uh, uh, comics out of uh, England or something. Uh. <laughs> I, I don't have no comments. <laughs> <laughs> For any of you who've seen Midnight Runner Cable Guy, you'll know the scene. Just, pi- and, just pictures. And just please try not to. Everybody, do yourself a favor. Uh, so we, we've gone back and forth a little bit on what to do today, and we are essentially going to be talking about the Super Sons, the Sons of Superman and Batman. And there is kind of a long history. We talked about possibly doing a commentary of the uh, animated cartoon that's uh, available on Cinemax, uh, not Cinemax, excuse me, HBO Max at this That would be a much time. different cartoon. I didn't say Skinamax. I said oh. Cinemax. Anyway, <laughs> we're well, going to avoid, to watch it again. avoid that in right. much the way we're going to avoid the Midnight Run thoughts. <laughs> so, uh, but but we, we've decided just to kind of make it more of a conversation of the Super Sons, including that particular animated feature, but just in general talking about the Super Sons. Uh, and my experience, I think it's funny because I think all three of us have a different experience with it to some extent. Uh, I think, my, you know, I know my my experience primarily is with the world's finest cartoon comic books, rather, where they had the Super Sons who were, you know, I guess an imaginary story. Uh, but it was Clark Jr. and, and Bruce Jr. that were uh, the two sons. And then. 
before we started recording, Bill mentioned uh, the John Byrne Generations rendition of the two of them. And Dave mentioned the current iteration, which is what the cartoon is based on, which is Jonathan and uh, Damien, uh, Jonathan Kent and Damien Wayne uh, and their uh, version of the Super Sons. But I always found the world's finest one. That's the one that originally got me hooked on it. And it, they were kind of, I, I guess the story's written for probably adult, like adolescents who are just about ready for puberty because you're feeling that little, uh, that, that little bit of, of, of rebelliousness and you have the sons of the two superheroes who are not quite ready to be, you know, they're more counterculture. They're not quite ready to be conformed to everything that, that their fathers uh, stand for. Uh, and they're, you know, kind of on the road and seeking out their own way. Uh, and I just always got a big kick out of reading them to the point where I had picked up the uh, the trade paperback that collected all the issues, even though I own all the issues that were in World's Finest. And Dave mentioned he also picked up that particular trade, although he's been remiss in reading it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, ever... I'm the square that they're rebelling against. Oh, absolutely you are. And I, I'm, I am too. Bill, Bill is Bill is the cool guy that they come to for advice, probably. Definitely, uh, definitely, Bill's the cool guy. But anyway, uh, had had you ever read these in the world's finest versions, or you're totally? Uh... I'm sure I did. You know, probably at the time they were coming out, I read a few. And I, you know, I have vague memories, but I, I haven't uh, revisited it any time recently. How about you, Bill? Did you read the world's finest ones at all? No, not at all. They they were like I said, they were kind of interesting. They uh, you know they're written by, by Bob Haney, so obviously continuity means absolutely nothing in them. Is that the uh, guy from Green Acres? <laughs> no, not Mister Haney. Oh, Mister Douglas, Haney. I have your trade paperback. I'll give you for two thousand dollars. <laughs> um. Bob Haney was mostly for Brave and the Bold, or he's most famous for Brave and the Bold, where he created, you know, what they called the Haneyverse, uh, where it didn't matter, you know, what history or what what uh, continuity a character came from, uh, you know, Haney would just team him up with Batman. Yeah, Commandy, yeah, well, he's he's with Batman. Sergeant Rock, he's with Batman. It doesn't matter what time period they came <laughs> from, what what and what continuity, but he would, you know, they had the Haneyverse, and they would just you know team them up and i always thought those stories were cool and, and why not sucks. because we always, we wanted to see it so why not yeah exactly you know I, I always get a kick out of when they say you know this is an imaginary story as opposed to all the real ones right right but you know the, the super sons were you know an imaginary story and they never showed the mothers right i was going to say they buried that you never you never they would be it. on they'd be in there but like it's shadow and face. stuff like yeah, you that. Never, it was almost like Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. And uh, you know, Dick Dillon was the uh, the primary artist for all of these, and you know, I've always been a fan of Dillon's art. He he was, I I, I think I would describe Dillon as kind of if you mash together uh, Kurt Swan and and uh, Jim Aparo. Probably not quite up to the level of either of them because he, you know, he, his style kind of had a little bit of each of them in it. But 
you know, but I always enjoyed it. I, I always I always found his his stories very readable. I thought his his storytelling was good. Uh, his facial renderings I, I liked. So I was a fan of that. Uh, again, you know, it was always like the the you know. The boys are getting in trouble somehow, and how are they going to get out of it? Do the, do the fathers have to save them? What's going to go on? Uh, and I just thought it was cool. And I think, you know, it's something where if I had discovered this as a 50-year-old, I don't think I would have been as enamored with it. But having read it as as a teenager and then revisiting it periodically over the years, it's got a lot of elements of nostalgia for me. And it just seems really cool. It's it's never lost that little bit of an edge that it had for me back then. But I'm a little disappointed you guys haven't read it. I would recommend it, although, you know, again, like I said, discovering it at this point in your life, you may not find it as entrancing as I once did. Well, they're, they're, they're like, what, old older teens, right? Uh, I would say probably in the 17, 18-year-old range. Right, right. I definitely read some of these years ago. And I seem to remember there was an an issue of World's Finest late in the run uh, where they they actually had a story where they acknowledged that they that the Super Sons were created by like a, a computer program uh, that Batman and Superman had used. That was in World's Finest number 263, I believe. Uh, and, and it was something where they actually came to exist for a short time and they had to be uh, put away some somehow. I don't really Terminated. know. Terminated. But their existence was like a threat to reality somehow. Uh, you know, it was some sort of like radioactive thing that got a hold of the computer and created them uh and weird stuff but that was how they i guess tied these stories into the quote-unquote real world of dc where you know it was something that was on i guess batman's supercomputer or something uh you know it's like you know what if we had sons what would happen which is just kind of a weird concept you know that they would even be like how do you picture the two of them sitting there talking about this even but anyway uh <laughs> You know, that's they, that's what they did. And then eventually, you know, over the years. Well, actually, let's go to the middle on this, uh, Bill, because you talked about uh, John Burns generations. Uh, I have heard on numerous occasions how good at least the first two volumes were. Uh, and yeah. I, really need, I really need to sit down and read those. And I have not. So why don't you bring us through those a little bit? Well, the first two are are, are pretty. Uh, well, it's an imaginary tale too, and it's listed as such. So, you know, it's its own little uh, pocket, I guess, universe you want to call it. And um, it kind of fills in like generations one and two kind of like fill in around each other. The generations three series takes uh, takes place over like a hundred years i mean or actually more than that i don't know it's it's been so long since i read those but like kind of at the end of all that it kind of just wiped itself out or it was you know ah, this is just a this is just a non-tale but hey it's john burns so it's got you know some i like the art in it yeah it's great you know I but, but Im- i can't imagine that i wouldn't like the art it's 10 tangentially a super sons it's not because 
you know, they have family and that family grows up and, you know, they get older and they have kids. So it's more like, like it says, it's generations. It's more than just sons. So, and, you know, there's a whole family tree that at some points looks like a telephone pole. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. If you, rem- if you remember, how did the Super Sons kind of manifest in the story, though? Oh, that I I don't. It's been so long. It's been so long since I since since I read it. I think it was because wasn't it this? in the past. It starts in thirty nine. Right. It moves through the through the history, and it's like its own separate history. So and I mean that. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. I think then at the end of uh, the, the one you said, the third one, that's like a hundred years. It somehow goes backwards, and then the last issue is like yeah. And the beginning and, and like Batman and Bruce Wayne are I'm not Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, Clark and and Bruce kind of age throughout it is what I remember, too, that they don't like Superman doesn't age as much. But but Bruce does, you know, so there's like a higher turnover of Batman. So I but. It was good. And it oh. manages to hit on all the. um like the different eras almost, you know, the original stuff, the goofy stuff from the right, right. Fifties into the sixties. I mean, maybe the dark night, something we could go back and, you know, we could actually do a mini episode or like a minute or, you know, a spotlight on it or something. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to, at some point, uh, possibly cover individual issues and, and we're just trying to do a general overview right now. So I don't want to put you too much on the spot to give all these details. I was just wondering, you know, basically get your general impression. I mean, I think that. at one point Batman actually uses a Lazarus pit and regenerates himself, you know, so then he's like there with his son and then, and there's all kinds of crazy, wacky, crazy, Intr- wacky stuff. Intrigue and infighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, even I think Scott has even mentioned a couple of times about maybe trying to cover uh, generations. So that might be something where, you know, we, we do that as a project, kind of an issue by issue thing at some point. It was a fascinating concept with the. Oh, OK. So let me see. Superman, uh, the publication history, Superman, Batman Generations published as a four issue limited series, prestige format from January to April 1999. Then Generations 2, like its predecessors, a four-issue prestige format limited series, it dealt with other DC heroes in chapters set between the times of the stories in the first series. Then Generations 3 is a 12-part series. Unlike the previous two series, it was published in standard order. They don't give me an overall. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just reading real quick. Okay. Generations 3 starts in the year 1925 with each subsequent issue jumping forward. Oh, oh, that's, yeah. Starts in 1925 with each subsequent issue jumping forward 100 years, with the exception of issues 7 and 8, with 7 and 8, which both partially dealt with the 26th century and the 19th century, respectively. So they go from the 20th century, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 26th, 26th, 19th, 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. So they're doing 100 years jumps in Generations 3. Yeah, I didn't care for 3 as much as the first two. 
Yeah, and, and it brings in the it brings in Jack Kirby's new gods too. So yeah, it's pretty busy. Generations three. The, like, the the first two were there like two stories. Do you remember where they? Yes, they're saying two. that there's stories in, in right. Each, yeah. Each yeah, it was fun each the first two. Each story takes place ten years after the previous one, so they got like ten year jumps. And the second one I remember brought in more of the characters, like Green Lantern, I think was yeah. in it, and fill in the gaps in the rest of this pocket universe, I guess. Yeah, I definitely would like to cover those because I am woefully remiss on having read them. It's well worth your time. So then if we fast forward a little bit from there and we get to the more current times, I do think it was a bold move by DC to kind of green light uh, Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent existing at all. You know, after years and years and years of we have to have status quo at all times, for the comics to make the primary world, not the imaginary world, not Earth 2 or something like that, have children of our two main heroes. Uh, yeah, but Damien I, I found is, that surprising. Damien is not a new character. I mean, he goes back he's, to... He's not new now, but he was newer than anything else we've discussed so far. When did Damien come about? That came from, I think I have the, it's a graphic novel when. It was like called The Son of the Demon, I think. Yeah, yeah. And he, and that's when Bruce Wayne kind of like went over to Raza Ghul a little bit and was with Talia and, and she actually had his, you know, I think, she, I, I, man, I haven't read that in a long time either. Well, but Damian Wayne is a superhero <laughs> appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. Created by Grant Morrison and Andy Kubert. Commonly in association with Batman, he's the son of Batman and Talia al Ghul, and thus the grandson of Batman's villain, Raz al Ghul, and the potential inheritor of Wayne Enterprises. He first appeared in Batman's Son of the Demon in 1987. That is okay. longer ago really? than I thought. Yeah, that, that's as an, what I thought. As an infant. Mm-hmm. As, as Damian Wayne, I guess, you know, the... Uh, adolescent or what you know whatever age you want to call him uh he first appeared in batman 655 which was september of 2006 so yeah so he was, there was there was a big gap in time there right but he was introduced well in comic time i mean that gives him time to what 87 to 2006 even though that's like 30 something 20 something years Thanks. That's 20 some <laughs> years, but he was introduced as like a 10 year old. You know, that's about on a comic time sliding. Like, oh, I think know. it's even fit. Well, you know what? It's funny how like, you know, they, they, you know, like say Franklin Richards, you know, he was an infant for quite a while. Then he's like a four year old and then he stays a four year old for quite a while. And then, you know, like it's 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 almost like kind of jump starts that they have with these yeah. characters. Which so he was of, introduced post crisis. Yes, <coughs> but but he wasn't. If, if I don't know if there was any focus on him whatsoever between the introduction in in Son of the 
the demon in 1987. I don't when, remember. And any. when he appeared in Batman 655, you know, 19 years later. Uh, well, that's that's all those years he grew up and learned how to be a dick. <laughs> did I mean, did he have any appearances over that time? If I anyone listening knows, they could let us know, because I think the three of us are woefully ignorant on this. I really thought he was here. a. I thought he was a new 52 creation. That shows you how stupid I am. He might have been, but I, I was right with his initial. I mean, what the the person quote unquote that should be him was introduced back in Son of the Demon. I mean that that you I would consider that his quote unquote origin. Yeah, but but uh, you know I I'm kind of on board with however you want to look at this because obviously he was introduced as existing in 1987, but if they didn't do anything with him in between then and 2006, he kind of more or less is a uh, New 52 or thereabouts. I don't, what year was New 52 anyway? Uh, 12. Is it 12? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> most most of us try to wipe that out of our minds. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't mind the new 52. I had no problem with it, but I just it wore oh, out its welcome it. very quickly. I'm just old. It, it wore out its and that started that was in 2011, by the way. Uh, I, I when it first came out with the new 52, I was on board and I was reading like almost 52 books, but it wore out its welcome very quickly for me. After a couple of months, it was like. You know, I didn't like what they were doing with Superman. I didn't like what they were doing with the JSA. I didn't like the fact that Batman and Green Lantern, because they were popular, just kind of uh, weren't counted in the new 52. Yeah, we're just going to continue the stories with them as as we were doing. And I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't. A lot of the decisions that they made, I didn't care for. So, again, like I said, it wore out its welcome with me pretty quick. Well, the Superman stuff irritated the hell out of me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so then, you know, with the new 52, though, I think there was more of a focus on Damian Wayne at that point. Um, you know, although they, you know, they did say he first appeared as Robin in 2007. So that was beforehand. But I seem to remember the focus being more placed on him. Uh, and, and actually, we should see when was Jonathan Kent introduced? That is another potential I think that's question. much more recent. That's when they were bagging the uh, New 52. I think I thought they introduced him in the New 52 and then so. then decided to uh, no, then, then no, decided uh, to carry him over. No, 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 because it's when they bring back the post-crisis uh, Superman. Remember him and Lois are like in some kind of a pocket and they managed to, excuse me, they managed to cross over where Superman's got a beard for a while. It was like a six, six uh, issue series. First appearance, Convergence Superman number two, July of 2015. So he is much more recent. And. I, I do like, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it's because I'm older now. I do like them letting these characters advance. And, you know, I, I you know, you want to slow down their lifespan. You don't want them to be, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be writing them as old people. But I well, do like the fact that. that, you know. They fix that real quick where they aged them overnight. Oh, you're talking about Jonathan Kent. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm, I'm talking about like Superman and Batman, you know, letting them actually have their lives advance where they have children now and, you know, their, their responsibilities change. Although Batman has always kind of been a surrogate father anyway. I think what they would like to do is age these characters out so they can focus on the new ones and do what they want. Yeah, and I think yeah, they always end up going back. It's it's you know it's like the legacy thing. You know when when uh, a character stops being the hero that they are and somebody else takes over the role, and then you know for a year or two it's kind of interesting, and then it starts to lag, and it's like okay we have to bring back you know fill in the blank the original character. Well, I don't think the son of Kalo was selling too hot. I don't know if anything is selling too hot. So that then that brings us to our uh, movie. Now, I am somewhat disappointed. Now, I watched this quite a while ago for the first time. Uh, the, uh, the, the animated uh, version of the Battle of the Super Sons. And when I watched it, I think... I'm trying to. I think Bob Fisher had said something about having watched it and liked it, and I kind of jumped on that bandwagon and, and started to watch it based on his saying that. Uh, and I liked it immediately. I thought it was a really good version. First of all, I thought the animation was really top notch. Uh, secondly, I thought the interaction of the characters was well done. I, I you know, it kind of piqued my imagination, but also still having a little bit of nostalgia with it. Uh, I thought the voice acting, even though there's no names that I personally recognize, was really good. And I think these are all like experienced voice actors as opposed to hiring, you know, live action actors to do it. Uh, you know, overall, I just really enjoyed this. And I think I recommended it over the last few months to you guys several times. Uh, and and it took until we talked about doing an episode on it for the two of you to watch it. And I think the opinions may not match mine so much. What do you guys say? Oh, I liked it. I did like it, I'll tell you. And uh, I watched it with uh, my younger one, Amanda. And I think, I think it's Jonathan, the kid who played the voice of it must have been Jonathan is the guy who plays Captain Marvel Jr. in the uh, Shazam movie. Oh. I think hmm. that's who it was. He, he's in the movie. I, I think he played Jonathan. But she was yeah, like right, right off the he bat. Played, oh, yeah. Played, played Freddie Marvel. Freeman. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I liked it. I thought the story was good. Uh, I thought it was touching in just the right, you know, areas where you, you felt it. Uh, the art was good. I have no complaints. I thought it was fun. I I got a kick out of when they went to the Batcave. <laughs> Mr. Batman, Mr. Batman, is that the Bat computer and the Batmobile and the Batboat? It was just like, <laughs> don't touch anything. <laughs> but I mean, let's face it. Having watched this stuff and read it for. 45 years it was predictable you know like you see a Starro on Krypton and you're like oh this is what it's going to be Starro the Conqueror no it's just a harmless starfish I don't, I don't know what you mean 
<laughs> yeah, well, that that was the main criticism I saw of it is that they said it was kind of predictable or formulaic. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't have that problem. I didn't, you know. Yes, you could predict what was going to go on. Right. <laughs> but if you weren't you, if you were maybe I don't know a, a kid, you wouldn't see it coming. This is I, true. You know, I see, you know, a lot of these movies and these cartoons and even the comic books, I can kind of see where they're going. I mean, I've, I'm not a rookie at this. I've been, <laughs> been reading and watching these things practically my whole life. So, yeah, I can sometimes figure out where they're going to go. And it's really, to me, you know, it's the old expression. It's not about the destination. It's the journey. And in this particular instance, yeah, the, the journey, you know, the, the the destination was predictable, but the journey was fun to get there, I thought. Yeah. Bill, I why don't you tell us why it sucked? I did not fully embrace or like the art. I know it's fully CGI. There's just something about it that it I don't know. There's just something about the art that I wasn't just really, you know, gelling with. Now, I like the opening with uh starting on krypton i thought that was pretty neat and how the credits actually got through the whole superman mythos and you know the kids uh, you know with 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 him and lois and the marriage and and all that i i I thought that that was great that they just zoom they did the whole superman origin and got 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 to present day i thought that was done good the voice cast i didn't like anybody in the voice cast really i just didn't i didn't feel it Maybe Batman a little bit, but overall, I was just like, mm, ah, mm. Now, I know some, I believed had, um, what, what's his name, passed away by this time? Um, the guy that had done Batman for years. Oh, uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, because I kept wanting to hear him as Batman, and and that's my own personal preference. But I don't know, just the the voices. Hey, mm. There was just things about it that uh, it just like I said, I was I was like I was watching. It's like, you know, when when you go to see how much time is left in something, that's not, a you know, you're like, oh, God, I got another 35 minutes in this. And like, all right, let's come on. It's Bill. Bill, we watched The Prisoner. We're well aware of what that's like. (laughs) <laughs> well I mean, you're like let's do a commentary and i'm like oh, oh i'd rather just talk i don't want to watch it again i'd rather just talk about it i mean it wasn't bad but it was it was it was i was meh you know like i can easily watch a i can burn through multiple in in the time it would take me to watch this i could see probably three episodes of young justice and enjoy it much better because i've been watching i'm in the second season of young justice and there's sometimes i don't know what's going to happen it it you know and and i like the voice cast over there better well young justice was a fantastic series so yeah you're right well, I mean, it's got a hard. I'm I'm comparing to that because I've been because I like I watched an episode of Young Justice before I watched this, and I was kind of like, oh man, this is a step back. Ugh. And I'm watching season two of I'm in season two of Young Justice, so and I know it's got at least four seasons. So I mean, it was okay, but it was just not, you know. I, I agree with you. The art there was it was good, 
but there was something off with it. Well, it's fully CGI, so I don't know if that is what is throwing it off. I mean, I know a lot of animation is done by computer already, but it just seemed like I I, I don't I can't say it had like the Uncanny Valley because it's a cartoon, but there was just something off about the art that I didn't. I I liked I thought the art was good. I liked the uh, the fact that it didn't have a total CGI feeling to it. You know, like I'm trying to think of uh, an example of when they do the CGI cartoons and they try to make them look, you know, really too real yeah Uh, Yeah. you know that it didn't have that feeling to it but it did have a little bit more of a 3d feel to it that i liked one thing that we really i did like that was maybe i just don't remember a lot about starro but does like starro climb out of people's mouths and jump on like like, no, I know Starro is clamping onto people's faces. Yeah, not, not, I, not, not really out the inside of their face like a like a reverse face hugger and then jumping on somebody's face after coming out of somebody's mouth. I was like, holy crap. Whoa, that's pretty freaky. Well, it, it really had an invasion of the body snatchers feel about that. That was the exact vibe I got out of it. So see, see, so that was the good side this, that like there was things in it. That was shocking, and I guess one of the things I read that that the higher ups wanted this to be more PG thirteen, you know, to you know have an, a little bit of an edge to it, which I, I think that does help it some. So I mean, I I fall like I'm middle of the road with, with it. I've I've seen better, I've seen worse. So you know, I, I I have to just go you know talk about some particular elements. I really liked the differentiation between the personalities of Jonathan and Damien. And at first, to be fair, I thought Damien was a little over the top with his dickiness. Yeah. But I know, you know, at least when I look back to being that in that age group, some kids were just kind of dicky. And I remember certain kids that I didn't get along with at first. And eventually we became friends. And it did have kind of that feeling to it. So, you know, I, I was perfectly ready to forgive the uh the over the topness of of damien a little bit because I, I felt like you know he he was they they did show how the, the teen titans didn't want him and that he was kind of overcompensating a little bit you know to, mm-hmm. to to deal with that uh he's clearly overconfident uh but there, you know there were some cool moments too when when uh when jonathan is dealing with the bully in school and Damien just comes and pokes him in the chest <laughs> and paralyzes him. I mean, I laughed out loud when that happened. I thought that, and then was, he, that was great. And he does it again at the ball game at yeah. the end. <laughs> and then, and then at the end, you know, to, to you know, spoilers, everybody. Uh, you know, early on, uh, you know, they have the scene at the ball game, and then they revisit it at the end, which almost felt a little bit like in the movie Parenthood to me with some of the baseball things if you guys are familiar with that movie at all but uh at the end you know when you're expecting him to uh you know to just hit hit the ball in, in a way where it's going to like travel around the world or whatever but instead he bunts it and he bunts it and it goes <laughs> all the way to the outfield so mm-hmm. you know that I, I just thought it was cool I, I really enjoyed like so many of the things about the way that that this was put together yeah agreed uh, I also liked I liked the whole 
revelation to Jonathan of what was going on. How, you know, he didn't have any idea that his father was Superman, uh, that, that, you know, that was kept secret from him. In fact, he thought his mother and father had extremely boring jobs and, and <laughs> that, 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 you know, like he was almost like embarrassed of what they do. And then when he meets Batman, he puts Batman on a pedestal way above his father already. <laughs> so I, mean, I thought that was all, all pretty cool. I thought Lois was shown as being strong without being That's like it. over over the top, you know, ridiculous in, in what she's able to do. Uh, you know, the fact that she, she knew that Luther was full of shit right from the start uh, because he, you know, he wouldn't have even agreed to see her if uh, if he hadn't been taken over. So so she, you know, she played him. Uh, so that she could get the moment on TV and tell Jonathan how to destroy them. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a lot there that was it was pretty cool. Um, I guess the only part that just didn't sit right with me was how easily Starro got Superman and Batman. Like I think they would have been more more aware and ready to protect themselves. Uh... They, went up, they went up to the uh, the satellite because they knew something was wrong. Yeah, you think he would have, I don't know, flown outside it, scanned it, you know, because right. he gets inside and uses his x-ray vision. Oh, my God, we got to get up. They could have yeah. just, he could have flown up there, scanned it. Oh, okay, yeah. I did like, uh, I did like Crypto. Yeah. That, that he was kind of like. Uh, uh, I wish Crypto would have joined them <laughs> and gone off on the mission. And then the the Jor-El hologram was, I know some people are going to feel this is blasphemy to say it, but it was similar to me in many ways to the Russell Crowe Jor-El from Man of Steel. Yeah. But he was saying, uh, he was similar to that, but he was saying the other lines from Superman the movie, like, oh, this contains all the knowledge of uh, the 28 known galaxies. I'm like, hey, I've heard that line before. Now you take this, my son. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a very good commentary on that picture. Of your home planet, Krypton. Krypton. Wait, suddenly sounds like... He's he's, he's, he's just... What what does he call it? Krypton? Krypton. Right? Krypton. (laughs) He sounds like Donald Trump all of a sudden. (laughs) Krypton. It was a huge explosion. It's it's huge. Make make Krypton great again. Make... (laughs) Make Krypton one piece again. Yeah, that's that's as political as we're going to get with this podcast. Huge piece of kryptonite. It's going to be great, fantastic, wonderful, amazing. <laughs> so I, I would not personally mind seeing a sequel to this, but I don't, don't think we have. Nah, they're not going to do that. They want to push no, the other. No, they're not going to. And it's a shame because it... it, it the characters were good. I felt that I feel the same way about the comic book. I enjoyed the Super Sons comic. I have uh, all those issues. God, they found out I liked it, so they cut it. Yeah, that's probably true. Now, Starro, does Starro have any history on Krypton in the comics? Not that I know of. I mean, uh, I'm not a big Starro mark, but I mean, I've yeah. got a couple of like, I've got that one. Uh, the Justice League, the one where they all have the Starro face, you know, fish yeah, I'm pretty, on their pretty face. Sure we, pretty sure we covered that in an episode. 
yeah, I don't, I don't think, and I, I don't know that they necessarily need to have everything tie in like that. To me, you know, when when they tie stuff too much, like I, I've said in the past, it makes the universe, the world, whatever, too small. So it doesn't necessarily have to have come from Krypton. It could have come from somewhere else in the 28 known galaxies. You know, whatever. But I guess they they felt that that put it all in a nice neat little package. First appeared in the Brave and the Bold, nineteen sixty. Yeah, well, the first Justice League. The first appearance of the Justice League was mm. against Starro, and then Starro was also in obviously the, uh, the the Suicide Squad movie. Still haven't seen that. Me neither. It's didn't see the I other Suicide Squad movie either. The second one is a little better than the first one, but neither one of them is top notch as far as I'm concerned. They're okay, you know. If you have some time to kill, I, I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't say it's a waste of time. Like you won't be saying, "Oh my God, I need that time of my life back again." But you wouldn't. You also won't be saying, "Oh, everybody needs to see this." Anyway. Uh, Yastaro appeared in Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. Yeah, says he fostered a uh, a fight between um, aquatic and uh, terrestrial creatures. So if if we were going to throw Battle of the Super Sons on the Jaws scale, what would you rank it? Me? I'm going to... I'm going to say, well, all of us, I'm going to say I would, I would give it a Jaws too. It was enjoyable. I don't mind seeing it over again. Uh, I really don't have a lot of qualms about it. It's just not, you know, something where I thought, oh, it's great. It needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, at the top level. But I thought it was very good. I would probably put it between a Jaws 2 and 3. I guess I might want to go back and watch certain scenes because I guess I need to go back and listen closely because I guess Tom Kenny, SpongeBob SquarePants was uh, Green Arrow. Yeah. And, and, and I need to re-listen to that. <laughs> oh, he's 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 not doing his SpongeBob <laughs> imitation. Here's an arrow to the face. <laughs> Green Arrow, stop. Star Arrow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what, what what would you say on the, on that, Dave? Oh, it's a solid choice too. You know, it's not high odd that you know. No, but, but it's, it's fun. Seventy nine minutes or so that it was on, I found it to be very enjoyable. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you haven't seen it, Dave and I recommend that you do. Bill says you could. Just watch Young Justice and not care about it. <laughs> but you should watch Young Justice anyway, whether you're going to watch it or not. If you've exhausted everything else you feel like watching, watch watch this. I'll give it that recommendation. If you can't find any other animated movies that you feel like watching, you know, give it a gander. <laughs> In the meanwhile, I, I think we will revisit the topic to some extent because i think i would like to bring at least one or two of the original world's finest issues to an episode sometime soon and i do think we're going to do a uh 
you know, some sort of focus on generations because I think that's been long, you know, long, long called for and it hasn't been done. So sounds good. Other than that, knowing we're going to come back and see them again, any other thoughts on the Super Suns to share with our audience before we call it a day? Yeah. I'm a man of few words. <laughs> and some of I'm them good. aren't even words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. I mean, it's a relatively short episode, but they're super sons. They're young. They got to get to bed. Yeah, we're old men. Super sons and super slow men. Got to get to bed. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <gasps> this is the... Welcome to the Batcave. Oh, that's the Batmobile and the Batcomputer. Who's the new kid? John, this is Batman's son, Damien. Ow! Well, he's obviously not invulnerable. Reminds me of us when we first met. I was nicer. What are you doing here? Aliens are taking over the globe. There is nothing you can do to stop it. It is time. 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 Come on, farm boy. We gotta go save our dads. Justice dweebs, let's do this thing.